The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness personal training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. Hello and welcome. This is the latest episode of the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training, where we put movement ahead of workouts. And my guest this morning is Allie Cass. Allie is a functional health and fitness coach, and she has an emphasis on gut health, on hormones, metabolic health, and fat loss. So she kind of encompasses a whole lot right there. And um, today she's going to talk to us about uh, everything she does. And I think she she works specifically with um, high-achieving, high-performing women, if I got that correctly from her website. Okay, she's nodding, so it seems like I'm in the right direction. All right. And, uh, yeah, Allie, good morning. Thanks for coming on. Good morning. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. So. Starting out with, on every guest, on every episode, I like to kind of have a context for people to kind of know where we're coming from. So I like to ask the guests what their story is. I know things about you, but probably no one else listening to this really does. So uh, Ali Cass, like, who are you? What do you do? And how did we get here today? Ooh, I love that question. Who are you? I feel like that's like the inevitable lifelong question, right? Who am I? Right, um, exactly. <laughs> my name is Ali. Um, I'm a functional health and fitness coach, and I've been in the industry for almost eight years now. I grew up as an athlete. So for me, physical fitness, competition, sports, those were all things that were very much ingrained in me at a young age um, and, and things that I very much value. I realized when I went to college, I played Division three basketball fell out of love with it and decided to quit and, you know, pivot to whatever was next for me. And in that process, I realized how unhealthy I was. No one had ever taught me how to nourish my body through food. Um, you know, using movement as sort of a medicine as opposed to using it as a means of competition. Um, and no one ever talked mm. to, to me or any of my friends about what it looked like to live a healthy lifestyle. I quickly found myself um, overweight tired all the time, just not feeling my best. Um, and I knew that something needed to shift. Fast forward about a year after this, um, I graduated college. I was there for about three years. Um, and my mother was diagnosed with stage three brain cancer. So I moved across the country and became one of her primary caregivers along with my father. So I still, you know, feeling not my best and then kind of going through this process with her was really eye-opening to me. And I started to ask the question of what makes someone truly healthy. My mom growing up was never someone that was sick. She wasn't on a lot of medication. She wasn't overweight. And so when we got this diagnosis, like I was like, why? You know, somebody told me why. And of course, no one in the medical community could answer that question for me. And as a coping mechanism, I just started to do a lot of my own research and started looking at things like nutrition, um, environmental health, toxins, even as far as how our mindset, our beliefs, and our inability to let go of you know past traumas or um, things that have happened to us in our life, how that affects us at a cellular level. And I just became obsessed with holistic health and um, holistic fitness. So after my mom passed, um, again, you know, still kind of finding myself in this place where I was... Um, overweight, tired all the time, feeling very depressed, just not feeling like my best self. And so I hired my first health and fitness coach and she absolutely transformed my life. 
He convinced me to compete in bodybuilding, which was a terrible, I thought it was a terrible idea at the time. I was like, I do not want to stand on stage in front of people. This looks terrifying. Um, but the athlete in me really wanted something to work toward. So it served me really well through that period of my life. And it kind of helped me get back on track with my own health and with my own fitness. I competed for about two years and, you know, I saw kind of the flip side of the coin, right? Where we go from being rather unhealthy, not having very great lifestyle habits to then being like uber obsessed with health and, and obsessed with all the things. And that turned out to not be very healthy for me either from a mentality perspective. Um, so after my second show, I decided to um, pivot and focus on what I wanted to do with my life. And that was help other women kind of experience the trans transformation that I had gone through. Because I realized that for most people, it's not rocket science, but the information it's out there now much more than it was back then, but there's so much conflicting information. There's so much confusion. There's so much noise. And the reality is, is that, you know, most people can make a lot of progress with just mastering the foundations over and over again. Um, and so I became very passionate about helping other women because I could see it in my, my friend groups, my family, um, you know, people that I would interact with on, on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm like, we are not healthy. We're not, you know, feeling our best. We're not showing up in our best capacity. And I'm a big believer that life is very short. And so I love to use health and fitness as a tool to help people become their best self so they can live their life the way that they want to, because we're not here for very long. Um, but that's a little bit about me. That's kind of my background. And I've evolved since, you know, I, I started as a nutrition coach and went into personal training and then um, was certified as an integrative nutrition health coach and have um, done advanced training and functional nutrition and metabolism. And um, I'm just obsessed with all of the things, health and fitness. So talk to uh, your um, your entry into the world of bodybuilding, I think, is interesting in itself because you kind of made a you kind of noted a, a difference between, you know, you were an athlete before, but then you got into bodybuilding, which was kind of like a whole nother animal on its own way. I mean, it's kind of considered an athletic sport, but at the same time, not really. I think I think it's kind of it's in the category of its own. But I think it's interesting that you're uh, you're kind of you're. Uh, your foray into bodybuilding um, really kind of turned things around in your mind about what fitness is and what it is not. And um, I think that's interesting because I've kind of felt the same way. I've I never gotten to bodybuilding, but I know people who have gotten to bodybuilding. And while, yeah, they, they go to the gym an awful lot and they work out and they are pretty hardcore about their workouts and their regiments and all that stuff here. And a lot of them are very smart and knowledgeable, but at the same time, I see a lot of things about them that are not very healthy. Um, I've known people who do bodybuilding who are still smoking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, it's, yeah, you know, really, like, they're still, like, smoking cigarettes re regularly, and it's kind of like, how do you not see the contradiction between the life that you're living over here and the life that you're living over there? It's like there's a, a duality to their personality here, that they've been able to compartmentalize one part of their life from another. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I so I was fortunate that my coach, when I was bodybuilding, she had a very health first approach. So her husband was actually a functional medicine doctor. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel very grateful for that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not the healthiest sport. And I, I tell clients this all the time, because I have a lot of women that come to me and their goal initially is kind of weight loss or fat loss. And, you know, fat loss doesn't always equal health. Like we can get you there, but you know, there's mm -hmm. ways to do it. 
um, if we're going to do it. And bodybuilding is a really great example of when it can become unhealthy, not just from a mental perspective, because it's very challenging and it's very regimented. Um, For me in, in particular, it created, I never had eating disorders, but I definitely started to adapt to like disordered eating patterns. My whole day was planned around food. Like it was all I thought about. Um, and so, you know, there are those trade-offs, but it really is like, I've seen a lot of research and in, in literature that has like shown, you know, they take bodybuilders and they get their blood work done like right after competition. And a lot of them have terrible numbers. Um, for females specifically, bodybuilding can be very challenging. It can create um, hormone imbalances and just basically cause your hormones to tank mm-hmm. because we're not meant to live in that kind of you know chronic dieting state for that long. Um, so there are definitely, you know, people kind of look at that and I think, um, they say, oh, I want to look like that. Um, but, the, you know, the reality is, is there are consequences too that come with that, especially if you're not doing it in you know, the healthiest way possible. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely interesting for me because growing up, I every sport I played was obviously performance-based. So I played basketball, volleyball, I ran track. Um, and so to shift to something that was not about performance and it was about aesthetic, which, you know, arguably can be very subjective, was uh, definitely different for me. But at the time I was like, I just need to, to laser focus in on something and, and just shut mm-hmm. everything else out. Right. And I think, I think that's important too. A lot of people do need that. They need a short term goal um, to really, and I've used that to myself for my own, for myself and for my clients. It's like, Hey, you know, I'm still using it. It's like, Hey, we could do this obstacle course run. That's happens every year. You know, it's fun. I've done it several times are you interested? And then, you know, some say yes, some say no, you know, but yeah, it does help a lot. Um, now, so you've, you've had a life as an athlete and as a bodybuilder, as a, as, as a bikini fitness, um, competitor as well. Was that true? Okay. So you, you've, you've been around the block quite a few times here. You're not a novice to this sort of thing here. So, um, you've, uh, so you, you, you have the ability, you can approach, like, certain women of maybe a certain age and a certain pedigree and a certain um, place professionally and say, you know what? I've been where you at. I've been back and forth quite a few times. Um, I know what you're going through here. So what do you really, what do you really present to them? I mean, there's a lot of things you can kind of give them here to kind of help them out. But so what do you really say to them and to help them out and kind of pull them out of the rut that they're in? So it kind of depends. I I really like that question, but I find that it always depends on the individual. So my program in general, when I'm working with women, it's kind of founded on four pillars. So we have um, our nutrition, we have our our movement, our exercise, we have our lifestyle, um, and then we have our mindset. And of course, kind of within nutrition, we might look at supplementation and other things like that. Um, But anytime I'm either talking with a person, because I'll do discovery calls and consults at first, just to kind of get a feel for where someone's at. Are we a good fit? What are they struggling with? And I try to help them bridge that gap between where they're at now versus where they want to be and kind of paint a picture for them of what that looks like along their journey. And for different people, that's going to look different. For a mom of Mm -hmm. three kids who, you know, just had a baby a year ago, who also works full time, what we're going to do is going to look a little bit different than someone like myself who runs a business, but I don't have kids. um, So I don't have, you know, that other layer of responsibility at home, um, or maybe I have other responsibilities. And so when I talk with someone or when I'm you know working with them, we kind of look at what does that journey look like and what is feasible for them? I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make um, is that they think that 
you know, what was feasible for them 10 years ago or back when they were in their early 20s is going to be feasible for them now, both from a physiological perspective and from, you know, just looking at life, right? Like, I don't have the time and the capacity mentally or emotionally to, to spend, you know, six days in the gym training for an hour, but I might have three days. Maybe back then I did have six days. And so helping people kind of realize that um, a, the plan is better when we can kind of tailor it to what's going to be most feasible for them, as opposed to trying to like knock their life totally out of whack so that they can fit what's currently going on into, you know, this plan that really isn't feasible for them. So I try to help people identify what are those big rocks? Like where can we get the most amount of movement? Um, what area of you know life or what are, which one of those four pillars do we need to focus in on most and what can we do to kind of support everything else? Okay. So you don't necessarily incorporate all of them into everyone's plan. They can be cherry picked. Like say if one, if your client is like on top of one, then we'll focus on the other three. For sure. And typically they're all kind of incorporated. So for instance, I have a few women right now who they are amazing at going to the gym. Like that is their me time. That's their outlet. Like I, no, anything, I have to like, you know, pull them back every now and then just so we're not overdoing it. Um, but the gym is not their challenge nutrition might be though, or, you know, having right. a good bedtime routine, getting sufficient sleep, getting sufficient recovery. So while we're still going to the gym, we're still working on that aspect. The majority of our focus is on, okay, how can we cultivate these new habits and these areas that we're a little bit weaker in? Whereas I have clients who getting to the gym is their biggest struggle, but they really enjoy eating high quality, nutritious foods. I don't really have to you know, do too much work with them on the food front because they kind of have it under lock. Maybe we're just working on maintaining what we're doing there. So I, I find that most of us have something that we gravitate toward that's a little bit easier and, you know, other areas that are a little bit more challenging. So while we still look at everything, I definitely like to put the emphasis on, you know, where do we need to really build up and where can we just kind of stay in, you know, our maintenance mode? Because once something is a habit for someone, it's a lot easier to just say like, okay, cool. We're already working on that. We're already incorporating that. We're doing great. What do we need to actually, you know, spend our conscious effort and energy on building up? Yeah. Right. Right. Now you mentioned that you do a kind of a, a trans, a transformation call, which you, which you identified, mm -hmm. um, to just kind of put feelers out and see if this is really going to work out or not. I think that's a good idea. Um, so give me, give us an example of like someone who would not be ideal, well, for starters, somebody who you know really doesn't have the desire to make the changes necessary. Um, anybody who's uh -huh. for that kind of quick fix, or um, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll get someone, that, and I'll, I'll work with them. But um, you know, sometimes I'll get people that are like, "All right, I'm going on vacation in four weeks or six weeks, and I want to get in the best right. shape of my life." And I'm like, you know, "Right, do things." Um, and you know, even if we I all run into that. Yeah, yeah. Even if I were to put together something that is going to get you pretty close to where you want to be in six weeks. Like that's yeah. not really where the magic happens. And for most people, they're not going to adhere to that anyway. So, you know, those types of things I, I kind of try to stay away from. And then um, I do work with, with women and individuals who have complex health challenges, but every now and then mm -hmm. um, I might find that, you know, something or someone is better suited for someone else. Um, so I actually, I had a, a man recently who I was speaking to, um, and he is actually an athlete. He's an older individual. He's still very active. Um, I believe he used to play, 
sport professionally um, many, many years ago, um, has just had a lot of injuries, had a surgery. I can work with that, but that's not really my area of expertise. So in that scenario, um, he was actually a local person. So it, it wasn't so much about finding him someone else virtually, but I actually knew someone that I felt just had a better, deeper skill set for exactly what he wanted. And um, so, you know, I think one thing about being a coach too is, is really being in integrity with knowing when you're the best option for someone and when you might not be. And sometimes it's just not the right time for individuals too. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that there's ever really a right time to make changes because I think it's, it's anytime we're doing something different or we're shaping things up, it can be a little scary. Um, but you know, sometimes I do have women where I sit down and I talk with them and it's great, but I'm like, I just don't think that you are in a place in life where you're ready to adopt these things. Like I've actually, I've also had women who I've talked to and after we have a conversation, I'm like, I, I really think that you might want to explore something like therapy or, you know, they just, they have so much mentally and emotionally going right. on. I'm like, I really think we need to sort that out before we start diving into that. And so, I mean, I've, I've pushed people to those modalities as well and said, come back to me and, you know, one or two months, whenever you're feeling good about, you know, X, Y, Z, and then let's go ahead and start. Right. Right. And you kind of almost feel like it's an uphill battle too, because you're, you know, you're going against like the quick fix kind of solutions that are all out there and are, you know, it can be a, to any degree of, of effectiveness. Some can be somewhat effective. Others can just be absolute trash and they're just selling you garbage. Um, so that's, that. I mean, that's a wall I've run up against because I try making things here that actually are like life trans, transformative, you know, and, you know, and things that are actually meant to be there for the long haul versus somebody who just, you know, wants to look good for bikini season coming up or something like that, or, you know, it's just about looks. So is that, has that been a big problem for you or you just kind of, you kind of find like the, you get more of a steady stream of people who are actually serious. A little bit of both. Um, it's definitely a challenge. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I try to just level set with people. Um, but what I try to educate them on as well is like, and you know, I think you did a great job of mentioning it. Like some of those things can be effective. Like we can get for some people really great results in a short amount of time. But when I talk with someone and I kind of audit their, their lifestyle, so to speak, I'm able to kind of tell like, okay, if we have a ton of stuff to work on and this person is like high stress and crazy busy all the time, the likelihood of them being able to implement 10 different things at one time it's pretty slim. So if we need to do 10 different things to get you, you know, this kind of what we might consider quicker results, but you can't implement it, then it doesn't matter <laughs> because we're not going to get there. So, right. I mean, but it, it really is. And I, I think that social media and the, the internet in general has been such a wonderful thing for this industry, but it's also been really challenging because it's those marketing headlines. I mean, it's like saying like, I'll help you transform your life in, you know, nine to 12 months. It's not as sexy as saying like, get ripped in six weeks, you know? And so it's just, I feel like we're constantly going up against this sexy marketing headline yeah. that are, can be very misleading. So you, you deliberately in your program, you spoke, you chose, uh, you call it a six month immersion program. Is that right? Yeah. Did I have that right? Okay. So it's six months. Um, Versus like what you just said, like 90 days, which is three months. So um, in six months, how'd you come to that conclusion that six months was really like, it was the uh, the deal breaker? I wouldn't necessarily say that it's, you know, that's a hard rule, but I found that that's enough time for us to address 
So I get, I get a lot of women, let's say, who have um, autoimmune disorders, um, a lot of gut health challenges, potentially mm -hmm. hormonal imbalance. Um, so when I'm working with someone, I always like to take a health first approach. So we'll look at all of that. If, even if their goal is, hey, I want to lose, you know, five pounds of body fat, or I want to look a certain way, I'm always looking at what's going on under the surface first. And if I see that there's some level of dysfunction, that's what we're going to address first. So actually, I've, I've had a client recently who we've been on, um, I think we're on month four now of a pretty extensive gut protocol. She had a lot going on. She's doing really well. Um, but she was making comments like, I'm not losing weight and I don't look different. I'm like, it's because we're not, we're not in a weight loss or a fat loss phase right now. <laughs> like we're literally working on yeah. continuing to, to fix the dysfunction and build a better foundation so that we can achieve those things easier and more sustainably. Um, and so I found that six months is for me, usually kind of a sweet spot of we can typically address the dysfunction and get them where they want to be. Um, but still, because for some people like mentally nine months, 12 months, that can seem like a long time. It can seem like a long commitment. So I feel like six months for a lot of people, is kind of a nice balance of, okay, we can get a lot of things done. Um, but I'm not necessarily committing to a whole year. Now I do offer the option for clients to continue to extend after six months and we can, you know, either continue working toward a goal, we can pivot. And if they have a, a different goal that they want to work toward, we'll start shifting to that. Um, and we keep a similar format, but, um, yeah, I, for me, I found that six months was kind of that sweet spot of like, okay, you're committing. Um, but it doesn't sound quite as scary as like a whole year of my life. Right, right, too. Yeah, you can, you do have to find that kind of that delicate um, balance of what is long enough that this person can actually change their life and can actually see some results, but isn't so huge that they just get caught up in the timeline of things here. It's like a year, 12 months, you know, that sounds much worse than six months, just from a psychological point of view. So it's hard to really know where to really, um, where to really, uh, land. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, you know, I've, I've had clients in the past where I'm like, I know we could do this in, you know, three or four months because I feel like the whole three month or 12 week or 90 day, like that time period, that's, that's kind of a big thing in marketing when people are marketing fitness programs and other things. And I mean, we can certainly do things like that, but again, so many of my women are, are mothers, they're business owners or they're corporate, you know, executives, and they don't have a lot of time. So you know, I like to set them up for success um, because a lot of them, it's not feasible for them to just do an entire lifestyle overhaul in a matter of, you know, one, two or three months. And so I find like, you know, obviously I want to set someone up for success as well, both from a physical perspective and a mindset perspective. So giving us a little bit more, you know, it's like when you're on an airplane, you have a little bit bigger airplane, um, you need a slightly longer runway. So it kind of gives us a, a longer runway to achieve those goals. Mm. So I'm, I'm curious. So why did you specifically choose like high achieving, high performance, like professional women as your like your niche versus like, say, like a stay at home mom population, which, um, you know, might have the same relative income level, mm -hmm. but then say if they have three kids, but they're all in school for X amount of hours during a day and they've got this time and they've got this money where they can, you know, they can you know, shift their life around quite a bit and not have to worry about meeting deadlines. I have to worry about getting on meetings and stuff like that. Um, what made you, um, concentrate on, on not that, but the professional side of, of the professional women? Yeah, that's a great question. And when you spin it like that, I'm like, should I reconsider? No, <laughs> 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 I, I came from 
a corporate background prior to yeah. being in health and fitness. And also as I was kind of shifting into the industry, I, you know, I started out working full time. I was working as an assistant under my coach, my previous health and fitness coach. Um, and then, you know, kind of shifting into that role. So I think for me, it just seemed like a natural thing because I'm, I tend to be very type A as well. Um, I have had to actually really work on that myself as far as like not just being in push, push, push mode all the time, constantly trying to chase and achieve the next thing. Um, I also yeah, come from a corporate background. And so for me, a lot of the women that I was already having conversations with or kind of the people in my sphere that I was attracting kind of tended to fit that, that avatar, so to speak. Um, that being mm-hmm. said, I, I'm not married to, you know, only working with those people, but uh, I kind of found that that was my personality. Um, and that was a lot of who I was attracting as well. Um, I do, you know, I, I love the aspect though of working with high performing women um, because they're so driven, but oftentimes the challenge is that, like helping them pull back from that a little bit. So we're not, you know, becoming counter for that. You know, if I, I'm a firm believer that if we have a fitness plan and a health plan, whatever it is we're doing, if it's creating a bunch of added stress because we think we have to execute it perfectly or we have to, you know, be at the, the highest level of performance all the time, which is what a lot of these women think because, you know, that's what they've had to do to get to where they're at in their career or in their life. And so helping them realize that, like, we don't have to be perfect. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. We don't have to be going 110% all the time to make progress. And we actually sometimes need to slow down and take that edge off a little bit so that we can reap the results of what we're doing. Um, for me, sometimes that's the more challenging aspect of you know working with high achievers and, and high performers. Right, right. And you can't argue that they might, because of that, they might need it more than the stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because their, their lives are in a much different way, but are very much high stress, like you said, and just, uh, I think, you know, atypical for anyone in that, in this world, you know, because especially the higher you get up the corporate ladder, the more your responsibilities just increase. And if you have something that's kind of offers a reprieve from that, you know, men or man or woman, it's probably a nice thing. And and it's really rewarding to kind of help them fit those things into their lifestyle. Because when you, you know, are operating at that level and you have all of those things to do, um, and this this could be said about, you know, someone who's a stay at home mom as well, who, you know, maybe their kids aren't in school and they don't have a lot of free time. It's really easy. Oh, I just don't have time for that. Or that's not feasible for me at this point in life. And, you know, yeah, like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, like it might not be feasible to do the same thing we were doing 10 years ago. But if we have the right strategy, if we take the time to kind of adapt and find what works and then pivot what doesn't, um, I think anyone can, you know, make positive changes in their health and in their fitness, regardless of what your, you know, your external life looks like. Right. So talk to us. I mean, what, what's the difference between weight loss and fat loss? Mm, a great question. Um, so obviously fat loss, we are losing fat. That's typically what people are going to think of when they say, I want to tone up, right? Like I want to lose fat. I want to build muscle. I have to tell women this all the time. Like when we're, you know, when we're toning up, which is what most of my women have goals to do, we're actually building muscle mm-hmm. or losing body fat. So that's body recomposition. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. that's associated with weight loss, depending on the individual. And sometimes it's not depending on how, you know, small someone already is. So you know, we might need to lose weight, but when you lose weight, it can be water weight. It can 
it can be, you know, body fat, it can be muscle tissue too, though. So there is that difference. And, you know, I don't know that I've, and once I sit down and talk with someone and we kind of say, okay, what's weight loss versus fat loss? Yes, we might lose weight in the process. Um, if somebody has a, a solid amount of weight that they want to lose or need to lose, um, but more oftentimes than not, it's going to be fat loss specific because um, we want to build that muscle. We want to get stronger. We want to create that kind of lean, um, you know, toned athletic look. Um, so once I explain that to someone, I've never had someone be like, oh no, I want weight loss over fat loss. Like they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> You know, fat loss is really what I'm looking for. And sometimes we end up losing weight in the process. But I've also had women who, you know, weigh five or 10 pounds more once we do a body recomposition because they weren't, you know, uh, big to begin with, so to speak. They didn't have a lot of weight that they wanted or needed to lose. And once we start building that muscle mass, um, they actually weigh, you know, on the scale, they weigh more than what they did before. And so helping women kind of shift out of that mentality too, I think is really important because I've had people who are very, very, averse to seeing that number on the scale go up. And so, you know, I'm always asking them if you looked, if you looked and felt the way that you wanted to, would you care about that? And most of the time they're like, I guess not. <laughs> um, but it's scary because, you know, a lot of women are kind of trained to think that that is the, the holy grail of mm-hmm. you know success when it comes to fitness. All right. Uh, now the the uh, the meat of your program here is called the metabolic makeover, right? Yeah. So that's that's a very um, very very all encompassing sort of program that talks about everything that we've been talking about, or it brings in everything that we've been talking about so far. So uh, dive into that a little bit more. What's that? What's that really uh, entail? Yeah, so as I mentioned, say uh, I call it a six month immersion, and I say immersion because. What I desire to do in that program is really dive deep into the coaching relationship with someone. So we're looking at fitness, right. we're looking at nutrition, we're looking at lifestyle habits, and we're looking at mindset. Um, and not just you know mindset about is it do I have a negative or positive mindset, but what is you know what is my mindset with relation to myself, with how I see myself, how I see my body, how I see myself interacting with the world, um, and what am I not letting go of from my past? And so we kind of look at all of those things, and I like to take my clients kind of on this journey with me. And I always tell them, you know, I am walking basically hand in hand with you down this path. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving you something and telling you to, you know, come back in a month. I'm you know, here with you every single step of the way. So it really is very immersive. Um, and we go deep into all of those layers. And as I mentioned before, you know, with more emphasis on, you know, what someone might be struggling with. Um, but we address all of those things. So clients in the past who just want training or they just want this. Um, and that's fine, but I have found for my people in particular, I feel like it's a disservice to them if I don't, you know, give them all of the tools that I have, um, to help them because as you know, exercise is just one part of the puzzle or nutrition is just one part of the puzzle. And so the more I feel like I'm able to kind of help them assess their life holistically and start implementing those changes on all levels. I feel like the more successful they can be and the more tools that they have that they can take with them after we're done working together and continue to implement that for the rest of their lives. So yeah, my program is called the metabolic makeover, um, six months and we dive into all the things we go through various phases. Um, we address whatever challenges someone's experiencing. If it's hormone imbalance, if it's gut health, Oftentimes there's some, some level of dysfunction in kind of all of those and they're all interconnected. So the great news is that when we typically start addressing, you know, one thing, we kind of have that downstream effect of other things start to, to get better as well. Right. 
Well, you really take on a lot there. So you're not only handling someone's body, you're handling their their um, psychology as well. And um, like you said, you kind of take them hand by hand down this road, almost like a guide. And, and depending on however many clients you might have, you might find that kind of difficult to do for everybody because everyone's going to have their, their different needs, their different struggles. They're going to have you know, a point where, you know, they're really kind of got mired in one thing or another and they are looking for you to help them out. Um, or is it, or is it just the opposite? Is it more or less because you've kind of dialed in your niche so much? Is it kind of, or is it just more or less, well, I know what they typically struggle. I know where they typically struggle. I know what to do when they get to this point or, you know, is it kind of like, you know, you have to react to things as they come along. A little bit of both. I have found that there's a lot of overlapping struggles, whether it's, um, you know, from a mindset perspective or just physical challenges that we're experiencing. Um, so there's definitely some of that. And, you know, as you are tuned into that more and as you work with that more, it becomes a little bit easier and a little more second nature to kind of troubleshoot those things when they happen. Um, but I do also keep my roster pretty small compared to some coaches for that exact purpose because I, I, mm. I mean, I have clients, some clients I talk to every day. I was talking to two of them before I got on this call and it's Sunday as we're recording this. And so, um, you know, I, I try to offer as much support as I can to my women um, and the few men that I have. And so, yeah, I, I do try to pride myself on, on keeping, you know, my roster cap where I feel like it's feasible because the minute that I start feeling like I'm a little overwhelmed or I have a lot on my plate or I've bit off to or bit off more than I could chew. Um, that's when I, I start to say, okay, you know, I want to make sure that the people I have in this program are experiencing the best results, experiencing the best um, support that they can while they're here. And so um, it's a little bit of both of those things though. Yeah. How often or how much of it is really kind of working alongside your clients as family too? Because I found that that's, that's kind of a hard, I mean, I found that in my own practice too, because if you, you know, you can be there, you can be there to support them, but if they have to go home every day to something that is not a supportive environment, you're going to lose out because you just are, you don't, you're not in that house. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I will say I don't have direct conversations with my clients, you know, spouses or family members very frequently. I do have mm -hmm. a husband and wife that I work with like separately, but together, um, they both work with me and that's been really, really rewarding and really great. But yeah, I mean, it, it really is. I talk to my clients about this all the time and, you know, your environment is going to impact you so much, whether it's, you know, what food you're choosing to keep in your house or yeah, who, how supportive is your family? Are they constantly trying to tear you down? Um, I, I definitely have clients who you have parents who are not supportive or, um, partners who aren't not supportive, but aren't really doing what's necessary to kind of help them make the necessary shifts that they desire to make. And so, I mean, that, that's like, like what, um, so for instance, um, I, you know, have clients that I recommend giving up alcohol for a specific duration while we're really working, while we're uh -huh. focusing on um, a health specific challenge and let's say their partner refuses to either give up alcohol or, um, it's like, well, let's just drink on the weekend. So, you know, kind of tries to talk them back into it, but then, you know, the issue can become, okay, well, we're only having drinks on the weekends and I'm not, you know, someone who cuts things out for my clients all the time, but, you know, we go through these phases where I know that it's going to be most advantageous for them based on what their goal is and what the timeline is that we have to achieve that. Um, and so I've had that happen where, 
Um, it's just really difficult when you're used to going out for drinks with your partner or your spouse on the weekend and they really aren't open to saying, Hey, like what, what else can we do? You know, is there something else that we can do together that doesn't revolve around going to a bar or that doesn't revolve around, um, you know, having drinks. Um, and so I've, you know, I've had that, I, um, you know, have clients who really struggle with, well, you know, I don't like eating this type of food. I want to eat healthier, more nutritious, um, stuff, but my husband, you know, won't eat a green to save his life or, you know, I, I have to cook totally separate meals or things like that. And so I try to help them navigate that and, and say, okay, how can we, you know, you have to do what you have to do, but how can we make it the most supportive for you? And, and sometimes their partners or spouses, whomever, family members are open to changing or kind of, you know, just adopting things that they're doing. And other times, not so much. I, I mean, I have a client right now who her husband packs her pillbox with all her supplements every morning. And so it's so cute because it's like, you know, she's so busy that she is like, I feel like I won't do it. Um, but he does it for me. So like, that's an example of, you know, he's super supportive, very helpful, like literally helping her implement the things because he really wants to see her succeed. Um, but you know, it can be challenging. I've, I've also had clients who, um, are very close with, let's say their parents, um, but maybe their parents aren't super supportive and, um, just, don't have a very healthy lifestyle themselves. And so we're constantly, you know, encouraging my clients to kind of step outside of the, you know, behaviors that we're trying to get them to adopt just so they can kind of do what everybody else is doing. Um, and I think I'm sure you've probably run into that too. You know, not when we start to make positive changes in life, not everyone is going to understand it and not everyone is going to like it. And so you know, having that kind of that boundary and sometimes it, for me with clients, it's really helping them set boundaries with their family, with their friends, um, because most of them want to change. They want to implement the things that we're doing, but they struggle when the environment isn't really conducive to doing that. Yeah, I've not often had someone who expressed to me like, you know, my, my significant other or my parents or whatever, my friends are not very supportive of me or they are like they're fighting me every inch of the way. But I've had people who just kind of dropped out for no reason. Mm -hmm. And you know, you can, you can make it that whatever you can make it that what you will. There can be all kinds of reasons why people just kind of abscond like that. But, um, I think probably I had a big part of it. Um, you know, they, the spouse just didn't like it or the girlfriend or boyfriend just didn't like it. And so, you know, the heat was on every single time. And so just, yeah, just making changes. And I, I can totally see that because I've made changes in my own life and, you know, I've had people around me who didn't understand what I was doing or didn't uh, see the, didn't see the purpose of utility. And um, I still, I encounter that to a certain degree of people saying like, you know, you're going too hard. You're going to, you're doing too much. You're doing this, you're doing that. And, you know, it's not a point of being malicious. It's a point of concern. I get that, but you know, it's, you know, I know when I, I know when I'm doing too much, I can, I can, I know what my boundaries are or, you know, I know what my boundaries at least were and I can feel like when the strain is getting too much and I know how to back off a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, I have that kind of emotional intelligence. Not everyone does, but thankfully I do. So I appreciate your concern, but <laughs> still, yeah, leave me alone. That kind of thing, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I had a friend that was like, you need to take a day off, which granted, sometimes I do need to take a day off, but it, I'm like, you know, right. I, I know when I'm, I'm hitting that point of, 
you know, really, really needing that. Um, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That kind of brings us into another uh, area of fitness here. So we know about the social media. We know about how, you know, the aesthetics tends to dominate everything Um, because we're visual creatures and we like, we like, we, we make judgments based on things that we see. That's our primary sensory as humans. Um, But now we've gotten into this point here uh, where the, the hustle and grind of fitness is really starting is really getting popular. Mm-hmm. So you have like the, 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 uh, the David Goggins <laughs> yeah. and I've mentioned, and I've met, you know, I'm going to make it clear. I have nothing against David Goggins. I've, I mentioned him a couple times in a couple episodes and I don't want to sound like I'm anti David Goggins. Um, but you know, his influence and together with others, like, you know, we have these people who worked one time or another with elite athletes, you know, professional level athletes, and now they're out there writing books, starting podcasts, starting YouTube channels, and they're taking what they did with these people who are a very small segment of the human population. And then now they're trying to use that and apply that to average people. And I can see the allure of it, and I can see even the utility of it, but I don't think that it's a perfect match. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. No, I, I, I think that you stated that beautifully. I think that a lot of people, uh-huh. you know, average people in our society can benefit from cultivating, you know, more discipline and getting that kind of swift kick in the butt, so to speak. But um, I'll use mm-hmm. myself as an example. Um, I have done, I'm sure you're familiar with the 75 part challenge. Is that, have you heard uh- I might have. I, I just can't. I can't think of it right now. Okay, gotcha. um, so it is. It is a challenge from Andy Frazella. It's a great challenge, um, and it's all right. About, like it's more about cultivating habits and disciplines throughout the day. So again, another person who's um, kind of very vocal in that space. And it's not a. It's not a weight loss plan. It's not anything like that. It's about you know you do two forty five minute workouts a day. One is outside. You drink a gallon of water a day. You follow some sort of nutrition plan. You read ten pages of a book. Things like that. So, you know, it's really about cultivating those habits and that discipline to, to do the difficult things every day. Um, and I can tell you that I've done that challenge before and it was amazing. I felt great about cultivating that discipline, but like I didn't personally feel great doing two intense workouts a day. So I had to kind of scale that to what was yeah. good for me. And that, that's something that's just being a very basic example. Like he talks about, you know, scaling it to what is feasible for you. But like some people will hear that and be like, oh, I'm, I got to go do cardio every single day. I'm going to go hit the gym and lift, inten- you know, go do intense weightlifting every single day. Um, and so understanding that like you can cultivate more discipline in your life and a lot of people need that. But a lot of us don't have the capability, whether it's from a physical perspective um, or, you know, maybe we just have a ton of um, responsibilities in life. Like I don't have the same responsibilities that, somebody with three kids has. Um, I took care of two parents that had cancer. So at that point in my life, when I was doing that, um, you know, my ability to show up and do something like that was not necessarily there. Um, and so, you know, knowing when we need to cultivate more discipline and it is beneficial to push ourselves, but also understanding that there is a time to back off and there's life has different seasons, just like we go through different seasons of exercise and nutrition, Mm -hmm. you know, our life is not always going to look the same. And so, I think for a lot of people, women in particular, because um, I do see women who under eat, overtrain, 
have tanked their hormones, feel like crap every day, are tired. And that's not somebody that needs to go out and do two workouts a day or, or, you know, doesn't need to go do whatever intense, crazy thing that somebody is pushing. Um, Now they might need to cultivate cultivate discipline in another area. And like, as I mentioned before, sometimes that discipline is like knowing when to actually pull back and refraining from continuing to push, push, push. You're right. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I I do think there's a certain segment of the population that could benefit from, from having more discipline. But I do think that, you know, taking those things, you know, an elite athlete, when you're getting paid to do that, and that is your life and you're putting all of your time and energy into becoming the best at that. Right. A lot different. Exactly. Those, yeah, people who, work eight or nine hours a day, have two kids, you know, don't have that luxury of that being their life. And so for people to kind of understand like, okay, how can I maybe take that message and use it to motivate myself? But like, I don't need to be at that level, or that's not going to really serve me in the long term. Yeah. Fitness is not a zero sum game. It's not an all or nothing or nothing at all kind of, kind of situation. So um, I think if you probably take that more moderated approach to it. And maybe that just, maybe that's just kind of hard for the people that you work with mostly anyway, because they're so, they're such type A, they're such alphas and you know, they didn't get where they got by being by slacking or having a lack of discipline. Clearly they do. You couldn't get, you couldn't get that CEO position. You couldn't start that company or, you know, build whatever from the ground up just by, you know, being undisciplined and just doing things in a haphazard sort of way. So, yeah, I can see how to those people that, that this message, this hard driven message can really resonate with them. But at the same time, yeah, there's other things you have to consider too. Like how similar is David Goggins's life to yours? The fact that he can go out there and the, the fact that he can go out there and do these things and live this way, which I think it's, open debate whether he actually does live that way every single 24 seven, or if it's just marketing. Um, it's probably a little of the a little combination of the two, but yeah, I think um, this is really going against the grain here too, because we're battling against everyone who's trying to sell, you know, the hard driving message and the quick fix. Absolutely. And I, I think too, for people, what's really important is you can look at what other people are doing. You can take that message if that resonates with you. But like, I think so many people in the fitness or in their fitness journey are so focused outwardly on what everyone else is doing. So I find when we can bring that focus back to what do I need to do in my life? What feels good for me? What is feasible? What is my goal? What's actually going to help me get to that goal? Because a lot of times you don't need to do those, you know, super, like you said, it's not a zero sum game. Um, and so mm-hmm. anytime that we're making small steps forward, those are still positive steps and we're still moving in the right direction. Um, and I think that, you know, for a lot of people not focusing so much on what's going on out there, not listening to those marketing messages and just really turning that focus back to themselves and what they want, what they need to do and having the guidance of someone that can kind of pave that way for them, I think is going to be more beneficial in the long run than, you know, trying to be all or nothing or go zero to a hundred every single day. Right, right. So the the issue of body positivity has gotten big. Um, I think really just within the last few years, it's really kind of accelerated, maybe as a reaction to everything we just talked about. Um, so the idea of, you know, having a positive attitude towards your appearance, which on the surface, 
sounds like a great idea. Mm -hmm. I'm totally behind that, right? Um, and then, but then, is it <sighs> trying to figure out how I can phrase this too? <laughs> so it, it is a touchy subject too, and I'm not against it. I think it's a great idea. Um, but then you have people who come to you because they want to lose the weight, they want to lose the fat, they want to tone up. You know, they probably see your background in bodybuilding and as a a bikini competitor and saying, oh, she's perfect for me. That's the direction I want to go. Um, and we have this idea that, you know, if I look good, then I feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, what you look like on the outside will project how you will translate to how you feel on the inside. But a part of me also thinks, isn't that kind of self-defeating? Because if, if, if everything, how you feel on the outside, and I've met some people who, you know, are not necessarily in great shape, but they don't dog themselves. You know, they know they have other strengths and they're pretty confident people. So if everything to how you feel about yourself is based on how you look in your reflection, then I can't see that as being a great thing. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's a really great way to put it. How I look at it is, again, I'm like, how do I word this now? <laughs> um, <laughs> For anyone listening, if you think that having a certain physique or looking a certain way or weighing a certain amount of weight is going to make you happy or fulfilled or worthy or is just going to enhance your life in whatever way, you're wrong. I will tell you that from personal experience. Having six-pack abs, being in you know what we might think of as amazing shape, looking like a fitness model is not going to make you happy if there's inner work to be done. Now, that being said, on the flip side, you know, sitting there and saying like, I'm fine the way I am. I'm, you know, everything's, I'm perfect. All of that. While you don't genuinely feel your best and just continuing to allow yourself to perpetuate whatever it is that you're doing that's gotten you to this place of, of feeling, you know, not great, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, that's also not, in my opinion, kind of a, a form of self-love or body positivity. So I think one thing that I, I try to communicate to women is that it's okay to want to change something with your body, whether it's your health, whether it is the way that you look, um, and still love yourself at the same time. So for me, self-love is less about like, you know, taking myself out to get a pedicure or giving myself a hug. Like I, that's all just super woo woo fluff stuff. Um, it's for me more about appreciating and respecting my body and what it does for me every day, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of if it looks like a bodybuilder or if, you know, I'm the heaviest and most out of shape that I've ever been. And also accepting, you know, myself inside and out for everything that I am. Now I have been in you know, many situations in life where I wanted to change things about myself, whether it was physically or whether it was like, man, I keep perpetuating these self-sabotaging or negative patterns in my life or in my relationships, X, Y, Z, why am I doing that? I don't like that I do this. I need to change this. And that's okay. I accept that part of myself. I respect myself the same way that I respect you and I respect anyone that I encounter. And I still desire to change that, like whatever it is. And so that's okay. You don't, um, you don't have to sit there and say affirmations about I'm perfect the way that I am. Um, you don't need to look a certain way. You don't need to act a certain way in order to be worthy of whatever it is that you want. But if you're unhappy with your life, you're unhappy with the way you feel, um, or things about yourself, you can change those. And I think that like self-love too, sometimes is doing the hard thing. It's having the discipline to 
do whatever actions you know are going to get you to that goal and not just living in this instant gratification world that we're so, you know, so in tune with now, but also not continuing to beat yourself down or create this vision of yourself that you think you need to do based on what society has told you. Um, so for me, it's finding that balance, finding that balance of like, who do I really want to be? How do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to feel like this is my life? No one else can live it for me. And when, you know, I'm hopefully very long time from now, you know, looking back and, and saying, wow, I don't have much time left. Um, I have to be happy with myself. I have to be happy with the choices that I made with the way that I feel and no one else is going to do that for me. So I think having that balance of like knowing what you want out of life and, and who you want to be and how you want to feel. And then working on creating that for yourself and not letting someone else dictate what that looks like for you, whether that's externally or internally. Right. But then again, it's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Because okay. we're always influenced by what's around us. It's a lifelong journey. I say these things, I practice these things mm. and that's what I practice. That's the word, right? Like it's a lifelong practice. We're going to be bombarded by these things. We're going to, you know, second guess what we're doing um, and what, I want right now in life and how I want to be and how I want to look and how I want to show up can look different. I can change my mind in five years. That's okay. We're dynamic beings. This is a journey. Life is a journey. There's never an end point. Um, and oftentimes, you know, as we grow, what we see and what, what our vision is of what that looks like changes too. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly right. So Allie, as we're going to start to wind down now, um, and I think you already kind of touched upon what could be a good sign off, um, a good sign off for you here. But I also, as a closing tradition, I like to get, because we talk about a whole lot in almost an hour that we've been here. So I like to kind of get like a final word from the guest. So if people could listen or people could walk away with one uh, thing to bear in mind and one thing only, what would you say it would be? That is a great question. I would say if there's one thing that you can take away, it's to choose you. Make yourself a priority in your own life. And I, I say that because I see this a lot with my clientele and with women in general, um, is that we put everything and everyone else above ourselves. Make yourself a priority in your own life. And I guarantee you, whatever it is that you want to achieve, whether it's with your health and fitness or anything else in other areas, is going to start to manifest and is going to become a lot easier once you have added yourself to your priority list. So if you're not already making yourself a priority, please start doing that today. There you go. No, no better way of saying it. All right. Well, um, Allie, Allie Cass, thanks so much for showing up. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Sean. Not a problem, not a problem. And um, everyone who's listening, again, this is the uh, Fitness Reborn podcast. Uh, my name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training. Um, I will put the social media uh, for Allie and her website on the show notes, as as always. And uh, you can also get a hold of me, too. You can reach me at uh, my email address, is renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. Um, and if you, of course, find value in this episode or in the show, please consider going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and uh, adding a review. It helps more than you know. It really helps increase the visibility of the show. Uh, don't forget now, you can also sponsor the show. There's a link in there. You can sponsor the show. You can, um, you have 
choices of how much money you want to add per month. There's no strings attached. You can cancel anytime. Go in there, check that out. And um, again, Allie, thanks very much for showing up on your Sunday. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. All right. Until next time, see you guys later. Move forever. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments. Cancel anytime. Every little bit helps, and I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. And you never know, you might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace.